Welcome back to the Ronnie's Awesome List podcast. I'm Ronnie. Today's podcast is all about anxiety. I'm here with Karen Gornick, executive producer of the film Angst, and Jennifer Taylor, therapeutic educational consultant who works with at-risk teens. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Um, since Karen, your movie has sparked this conversation, and you appear in the movie with your story, I want to start by asking you about your personal journey to create angst. Well, angst really did come out of, uh, it really is the purpose and the pain. Um, I think that angst was created out of, out of a true journey to try to understand what was happening in our own household uh, with my son, who at the time was 15. And I was a single mom and trying to figure out what was going on as he was starting to slip out of things that he loved to do. I felt I was losing him. And then it got to the point where it was a race against time. I was afraid that I was not going to be able to find help for him before he didn't want to be on this planet anymore. And as a parent, that is probably one of the scariest positions to be in. And it, when I really finally started opening up about it and getting learning that other people were experiencing the same thing and that there's help and hope out there. You know, I'm a filmmaker, but more importantly, a, a parent. And I just felt like this was something that I wanted to, to film so that other parents could understand how to get to help and hope. So that's really the inspiration on my part was through my son and my co-producer lost a co-worker to suicide. And we both really set off on this journey to make a film that would help people understand what is anxiety and how to get connected in their communities to help. Jennifer, the movie goes into detail about the science behind anxiety, but why is anxiety so prevalent in high school more than middle school? Middle school is a time where Kids can pretty much coast, even though socially it may be a more challenging time than elementary school. In fact, in the film, there's a young man who says that he cruised through middle school and got to high school and really was more stressed out. So even if you have the propensity to be a more anxious young person, you get to high school and there are basically three or four things that start to happen. You hit puberty. All of a sudden, it's a little confusing to have feelings. Your body's changing and maybe it doesn't feel good to be in your own skin. That's a certain anxiety. And then also, you are developing your sense of identity. So who are you? How do you fit into your family? You love your parents, but you don't love your parents. It's my classic uh, I hate you, but will you take me to the mall? So you're really trying to individuate yourself within your family, and that's also a little bit anxiety-producing because who are you? Who do you like to hang out with, and what do you want to do with yourself? And then also what I think happens in high schools is there does tend to be a competitive academic environment. Everybody's striving for that academic achievement. And in, again, in the film, one of the therapists talked about having a third grader who was talking about college. So you get to high school and all of a sudden everybody is gunning for the big grades. And so you put all of these factors into a young person that don't exist in middle school. And that can kind of tip the, the balance. Karen, in the film, you talk about the changing of your parenting style. Can you talk more about those changes? Absolutely. Um, one thing that I really learned um, in this journey with my son was how much my own anxiety was affecting my parenting. And it wasn't until he was in therapeutic treatment and we actually had family therapy that I learned so much about my own anxiety. And what that actually turned out to look like on a day-to-day -day basis was 
that my kids could benefit from me modeling my vulnerability, whether that be um, the difficulty that I might have had in my day, if I had a argument with a coworker, or I ended up was was really stressed to go into a meeting. Sharing those times that were hard will help my kids see that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And then how do you work through those things? I, th- I was really feeling like I needed to be strong for my kids and help protect them from things. When in reality, I, what I really needed to do was help them learn how to navigate life by, through the difficult things because difficult things are always going to come up. I couldn't protect them from pain or fear. In fact, they can learn through that pain. Also modeling self-compassion is important. You know, Modeling how important it is to forgive myself for those times that I didn't know exactly what the right thing was to do. So around parenting, that is probably one of the most important messages that I really wanted to get across in the film is that if your child is really struggling with anxiety, the first place to look is at yourself. Because as a parent, um, that modeling is so important. And I hear that from the, the therapists that we talk to on our panels. I also really feel like Social media has played an important part in how anxiety is increasing over the last 10 years um, in our kids. You know, anxiety is the number one mental health complaint right now in the U.S., and it's increasing. And the way that not only my own experience, but I've been hearing from, from the experts around this, is that if you're a highly sensitive person, which constitutes about 20% of the population, you're more likely to get triggered. And with social media, you're constantly being triggered. So that is his phone and social media. And what bubbled to the top was the anxiety and stress that he was feeling. I learned how much he was using his his device as, a, as an avoidance tool. And it's really about balance with using technology to connect, but not to avoid. Jennifer, how can you tell when it's anxiety and stress versus a clinical diagnosis? So first, let me say that I'm not a clinician, but I do work with at-risk teens who manifest a variety of diagnoses. And what we can tell from my practice is when a child, much like Karen's, starts to decompensate to the point where they are not actually able to function in an environment in which they were functioning before, that's when you know something has tipped. There's a balance that's been tipped. So we all carry around a certain amount of fear. I think anxiety is a little bit overused as as an expression. It could be just stress. It could be something that happened in your day. And when you aren't able to cope any further and dismiss that stress and keep going in your day, like, Someone cuts you off in traffic, but you're able to get to work and function. In the film where they, the young person talks about not being able to go into the classroom because they were so debilitated by being late, that's when you know you've tipped the balance. And that's when seeking a clinical diagnosis to help you with that is so critical. It's really when you stop being able to cope and manage in a, in a world that has anxiety, but you can't function. You, you, you don't get out of bed. I really appreciate what Jennifer is saying here about, you know, really when to recognize what, when anxiety tips over into being debilitating. Uh, and one thing that I hear a lot from the therapists that are on our panels is that there are three things you can watch for that are really helpful in determining whether or not your anxiety levels are unhealthy. And it's frequency, duration, and intensity. And if those three things are increasing, it's probably time to go get help. So Jennifer, your consulting practice focuses on family systems. What did you take away from the film to help parents create a home where we're not adding stress and may cross into anxiety? 
Yeah, thanks, Ronnie. I do focus on the family quite a bit. And it's not the first thing that I focus on because in my consulting practice, I often have teens or young adults who are in a bit of a crisis mode. And so they may be the focus right away. But once we have a plan for the young adult or the teenager, I focus back on the parenting style and on what was going on in the home. Since a lot of what I do is residential treatment, if there is a lot of progress made in that residential setting and the child comes home to a family system that hasn't had um, what we like to call that parallel process of therapeutic and system-wide care, then there's less likely to be a successful reintegration. And so what I see about parenting is what I like to call the good enough parent. You don't have to be the competitive parent that is in your own home feeling competitive about everything you do. Like, you know, do you have the second home? Did you get the raise? Do you have the next best greatest automobile, television, cell phone? I think what I find is that many times in my anxious teens, and the competitiveness that they feel, especially in high school, is modeled by the parents. And I don't say this to blame or shame parents. It's more to point out what dynamic in your family could be creating that anxiety. Is it your own anxiety about where you fit in the world? And taking a hard look at that so that you can talk about it and have somebody to be empathetic with. And that was part of the movie where just talking to somebody can bring that down. And I'd like to bring up my favorite way to talk to a teenager. And I call it the curious question. So in an event that you find your teenager to have perhaps bent a rule or is not focused as much on whatever you think is an important value in your family, I always talk about the what ifs and what's going on. So approaching your child without that expectation of having to step up, you just say, well, so what was going on with you when you couldn't get into the classroom because you were feeling like you couldn't sit there or the principal called me and said you didn't show up to class. What was going on with you instead of why weren't you in class? You know you're supposed to be in class and that immediately shuts down a teenager's brain, even an adult brain. And so I call that the curious question and then you can go into the what ifs to bring that anxiety level down. Well, what if you were late? Well, I would feel embarrassed. Well, what if you felt embarrassed? Well, I wouldn't like that feeling. Okay, what can we do about that feeling? And you start to dig down, and instead of having a teenager who feels they can't express themselves, you get somebody who is in a relationship with you, and they can start to really open up, and you can. And that is one way to repair that family system aspect of anxiety. Karen, can you talk about the coping tools and techniques to ease anxiety that's mentioned in the film? You know, every time that we show the film, it has to be seen in community. And there's a whole reason for that, which is, you know, it's really very different. It's a very different experience to hear you're not alone than it is to actually see that you're not alone. And when I go to these screenings, I always learn new tips from experts that are on the panels or parents that speak up or teens themselves who are on the panels and we talk about what helps them. So some of the tips that we mentioned in the film are uh, simple ways that when you're feeling anxiety in the moment to get a little bit more mindful and be a little bit more present and to get yourself um, out of your amygdala where you have the fight or flight sensations and more into your prefrontal cortex, which uh, will help you think more logically. And so these tips are things that 
uh, as simple as, you know, if you're feeling a panic attack, come on, grab ice cubes and hold on to them because it's hard to think about anything else, but those ice cubes that you're holding on to, or your hands are cold. You can find a lot of tips that we have there as well as a anxiety symptom checker that'll help you figure out whether or not your anxiety is debilitating your life. And then you can find apps that help you get into mindfulness. There's all kinds of resources, essentially the resources that I wish I could have found when my son was struggling in one place. Jennifer, do you have anything to add? Thanks, Ronnie. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of kids in the movie, uh, one young girl who said that she used logic. So when she could bring herself off of that incre incredible stimulation of what Karen said is the amygdala or the increase of cortisol in the brain, she talked about using logic and that that really helped her. And there was another young boy who said that he asks the why question. And I also thought that once you're able to perhaps get yourself out of the fixation of whatever's causing the anxiety, to ask why might bring you down into a different part of your brain, especially after you've done some of that somatic work, which Karen was talking about with the snapping, or in the film they talk about turning your palms over. All of that stuff does bring you down, but then maybe to get further is to have that tool. The other thing that I would talk about is um, there are therapeutic modalities, and I do recommend try family therapy, try um, a DBT clinic, or a, even a therapist that helps you with mindfulness. There are many, many ways. There's art therapy. There's movement therapy. There are so many practitioners out in your community who want to help with this anxiety and can really benefit all of us. And finally, I'm going to go right back to my family therapy and family systems. If you haven't considered family therapy and you want to try to avoid uh, an increase in symptomatology to the point where there is a crisis, you have to dig into that family system. And I always give my parents family therapist resources to start there. Well, Karen, I watched this film with my daughter. Uh, she's 15, and she said she feels elevated stress levels with her peers, primarily related to their academic achievement. Even though it's not her anxiety, it's being transferred onto her. Um, how do I coach my daughter to be a good friend without internalizing others' anxiety? Wow, and this is, this is um, it sounds like your daughter's very empathetic <laughs> um, and probably highly sensitive. So, you know, I think the best thing that we can do what I hear over and over again is one of the best ways to be a good friend is to listen, to really, really listen and practice hearing it and realize that you're just helping that other person just by listening. You don't have to fix it. It's not your responsibility to fix it, but you, but listening to them, you are giving them a gift. And the other thing that is helpful to be a good friend is to just be open with your own uh, stressors or to be vulnerable because not only does it help relieve stress for yourself, but it allows others to open up as well. We have a boy in the film who, who says just that. Jennifer, did you want to add anything to that? Sure. I, I did like in the film, the three gentlemen who were interviewed, who talked about the now movement that resonated with me so heavily because I do have a technique I use with some parent groups that I facilitate and I call it the 200 yard rule, which is a way of being mindful. And that takes you out of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen so far down the future? I can't even wrap my head around it. And then I start wrapping my head around what's happening now. And so I say, focus on the next 200 yards. You know, you can get the next 200 yards. You may, you know, we're going the mile. 
but you only need to focus on the next 200 yards. You don't have to think about how are you going to do this mile. You just need to get 200 yards and then you know what? You'll get the next 200 yards. And somehow that can bring down that feeling. And when they said the now movement, I just kind of jumped for joy when I saw that. And I also liked that Michael Phelps said, it's okay to not be totally okay. And I think we need to recognize that we are not totally perfect all the time, and we can't expect our kids to carry that uh, with them as well. And it is okay to not be okay all the time. Yeah, I love the surprise of Michael Phelps in there. I thought that was really great. So what ended up on the cutting room floor that you wished you were able to include? Well, there's so many things um, because I was just so amazed and continually touched by these teens that were we interviewed for the film. Um, many of them opened up about their anxiety for the first time publicly in this film. And it felt like therapy. It really felt like film therapy as we were talking to these kids. Sometimes they would walk in and felt they couldn't go through the interview and then come back 10 minutes later and they would. It was like an exposure exercise as they talked about this. And I've had many of these teens on the panels with me now and to see their confidence rising is incredible. So I wish I could have kept in everything that the teens had all said. And, and we're very much thinking about doing a docu-series and taking some of that footage and, and doing more because each one of these topics, whether it's OCD or social anxiety you could spend a whole documentary just on doing those. So I think we're going to be doing a docu-series that'll probably live on the website. But the other thing that I really wish that I could have put in is Michael Phelps's entire interview. He was so incredibly open and vulnerable. And to see him sitting next to Charlie, who's so young and little, who was 10 at the time, and then this big, strong, strappingly handsome world athlete next to each other, but yet experiencing the same feelings and issues was just, just really struck me as powerful. And Michael Phelps shared one thing that didn't make it in the film, but I would love people to know is he talked about one strategy helping him. And that was that every time he went through a doorway, he would say a positive information. And if you think about how many doorways you go through in the day, through your, you know, your bathroom, your bedroom, your work, your house, think how many positive affirmations you have to tell yourself. And by the end of the day, he would feel a little bit better about himself. And that's neuroplasticity at work. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, he really was that incredible. Was, that's really incredible. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? So Karen was talking about empathy and how just talking about your feelings can be helpful. And that reminded me that there was a gal in the film who said she wrote her mom an email and that that was her way of trying to express herself. And I really resonated with that because I think many of us and teens are very good at texting. And if that is your way of connecting, even with a friend, just to open the dialogue, I think that's super critical for us to acknowledge there are other ways to communicate your feeling. And one way I also wanted to discuss was that the crisis hotlines that exist in the country and locally also deal with feelings of anxiousness and feeling like things are out of your control. It's not always a suicidal call. And we're trained to handle just listening and provide that empathy to whomever's on the other end of the line. And we get a lot of teenagers calling with feelings of anxiety. And it is amazing how when you have that trained empathetic ear, that you can help that person just feel better in that moment. And it's anonymous and it can be very healing. And so I did want to point out that some of those crisis hotlines really deal with moments of severe anxiety that may not be a cry for help of suicide. 
one thing that you just brought up made me think about Jennifer was that so a lot of the therapists I talk to talk about a formula that really is helpful if you're feeling deep uh, levels of anxiety and depression, and that is to distract and not avoid and to call someone. And it's really wonderful that there are numbers like the crisis text line um, that you can call as you said, even if you're not really sure if you're suicidal or not, but getting help and support for that before you get to that point. So it's never wrong to call and at least get some sort of support and help. You showed this movie at the Mill Valley Film Festival. Congratulations. How did that go? I was super excited to have Angst uh, kick off the teen wellness series here in Marin at the Mill Valley Film Festival. And it was probably one of the most important screenings that we've had to me personally because of the fact that so much of the film was filmed right here in Marin and so many of the students and teachers that were in the film are here in Marin um, and it's my community. So it was just super powerful to be in that room. And I actually, when I, when I went home that night, I cried because I thought about how just two years ago, I was in this place where my son was feeling suicidal and I didn't feel that I had a community and I wasn't sure where to turn. And then I look back at our journey and I'm just so incredibly grateful when I think about how many resources we really do have here. And then all I had to really do was open up and talk about it and find those people. And then now to have learned about my, not only my son's anxiety, but mine, I'm just incredibly grateful. So that, that screening that night meant a lot to me. Can you tell me about the, the teen program that you mentioned? Yes. So uh, when I was looking for help with my son, it was really an educational consultant who helped me find Waypoint Academy, which is based in Huntsville, Utah. And it specializes in treating boys with social anxiety. And it's really, I think, one of the only places in the world that that focuses specifically on boys and social anxiety, because these boys are often people pleasers and perfectionists, and they slip through the cracks in a regular setting. And so my son was one of those. I mean, teachers loved him. He gets really good grades, and yet he was suffering. He'd come home and want to die. I mean, it was it was awful. And so, and regular treatment centers did not work for him because he would empathize so much for the other people that were dealing with other disorders. So to be able to find a place like Waypoint where they could really address specifically anxiety and for boys really felt like a miracle. So it was the hardest thing in the world to realize as a parent that I needed help and to take my son to residential treatment. I mean, I can remember the day that I dropped him off and I just sat outside and cried. I missed my flight back home. But now when I look back, I think of how important that was. I, I could never be where we are now in, in having learned um, just how important the family dynamics needed to be adjusted in order to help support him better. So Waypoint Academy is a really special place. Jennifer, you had a, a similar experience with your son, right? Yes. Actually, that was the genesis of my starting my therapeutic consulting practice was my personal experience with my own son who needed residential care um, for his own underlying issues. And similar to Karen, while it was an excellent decision, and today he's doing amazingly well beyond what I ever could have expected of him uh, back then, uh, was the feeling that I really lost my right arm the day that I dropped him off. It was so surreal to be a mother whose entire job was nurturing and supporting and loving and hugging. And here you are making the hardest decision you've ever had to make. And in fact, I facilitate a 
parent support group in San Rafael that we also have in Oakland and Los Gatos called Willows in the Wind. And it's specifically for parents of children who are in a residential setting, wilderness, or have been. And it's a safe place to talk about the grief, but also share the success. And I wish I'd had that three years ago when I was going through it. But I will tell you, almost ubiquitously, families feel like they are failures and that this was the hardest decision. But yet every single parent in my group will say they wish they'd done it sooner and that it has absolutely been life-changing for their entire family. So Karen, can you tell me more about the teen wellness series and also the goal of your movie, Angst? Angst was uh, screened at the Mill Valley Film Festival to kick off the California Film Institute's new program, which is called the Teen Wellness Series. And it's a series of films that's being put out with the Tamalpais Union High School District Wellness Center. So the goal behind making Angst was really to connect people in community and help them find the support and resources that are specific to their needs. And the first way to doing that is talking about it. And so my business partner and I felt like showing this in community at first and not having it available online was really important to force people to have to see it in community and have these conversations. Every single screening that we have uh, has a panel following with people, members of the community who can provide resources and therapists. So we really wanted to help break the stigma of talking about mental health and help normalize the conversation around anxiety, that everyone has anxiety or some form of it. If you're human, you have anxiety. And anxiety can actually be motivating. It can be helpful. It's just when it tips over into that that place that it's taking over our daily lives that we really need to reach out and can reach out because there's a lot of help and there's definitely hope. Anxiety is treatable. Karen, can you tell me what's next? Well, there's so much about angst that I'm really excited about for this year. Um, that we are now being seen in communities around the world. Angst is now translated into about six different languages. So there, there's uh, also the fact that we're taking the film to D.C. and really trying to help raise awareness around the importance of getting more dollars into elementary schools to create social-emotional learning programs so that kids can learn earlier on how to manage their anxiety before it becomes an anxiety disorder. So there's so much with angst over this next year that I really am excited to get involved in. But there's another film that IndieFlix is coming out with soon called Like, which really looks at how social media is affecting teens and anxiety. And it was born out of angst because so many of the teens that we talked to talked about how social media was contributing or amplifying some of their anxiety problems. And so we really wanted to look at that a little bit more deeply. So that is being released soon. Karen, can you tell me where we could learn more about the movie Angst? If you go to angstmovie.com, you can easily find a way to host a screening and fill out the information in the um, online form. Someone will call you and walk you through the process to have a really effective screening and panel and help connect people to resources. So it's super easy to do. So if you go to angstmovie.com slash resources, you can also find a host of videos and apps and even a symptom checker that you can take or finding therapists by zip code. So if you go to our website, there's a lot of different ways that you can either find a screening or host a screening. Jennifer, where can we learn more about you? I have a website, and that is jetedconsulting.com, jet like an airplane, ed 
for uh, educationconsulting.com. And I am based out of the Bay Area. However, I have clients all over the world and help with facilitating family systems as well as residential placement. And uh, even if you're just looking for resources, please feel free to reach out to me through my website. I want to thank my guests, Karen Gornick, executive producer of the film Angst, and Jennifer Taylor, therapeutic educational consultant and president of Jet Consulting, for joining me in this very important conversation. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for having me here today and bringing such an important topic to our community and helping us connect to resources that are right here. And I'm, I'm hopeful that there's somebody that's listening to this podcast that feels a little bit less alone and understands how much help and hope there really is for this and that their anxiety is treatable. Thanks, Ronnie. I am super passionate about helping teens and young adults with whatever struggles they're having and helping that roll into a family system's rehabilitation and repair. And it's just been my absolute privilege to meet Karen in person and be here with you today. Thank you so much. That was fun. I can't wait to...